0: Hello, I'm Anna Bogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast.
1: In this episode, Fiona takes on Madison as her witch protégé, and Zoe tries to do right by Frank and Kyle. Also... Patty Lepoe! <laughs>
0: She's here. She has arrived. She has arrived. Today's episode, called The Replacements, was written by James Wong, who, can I just point out, this is my new favorite thing to do for this podcast, is also the writer and director of Final Destination. And Final Destination 3? The talent!
1: <laughs> <laughs> the talent coming through!
0: I mean, truly. And it's directed by a regular series director, Alfonso Comerteron. So let's start with what happens in this episode. Um, I feel like we should just do a little warning at the start. It's a really icky episode, so there's going to be some icky conversations happening.
1: Yeah, would it be helpful to I guess give a trigger warning for sexual abuse and I guess sexual assault to some degree? Yeah, Um, yeah. Just we won't try and go into too much, you know, detail. Um, Yeah, you know, keep it as I don't know non-horrifying as possible. Yeah, yeah. But Um, it's hard. This is a tough episode.
0: Yeah, but let's uh, let's start with some of the funner bits before we dive into all the abuse bits. Um, So we kick off with a flashback to 1971 where we meet young Fiona, who is a mega bitch, even as a young woman. And she promptly kills her supreme while Spaulding, uh, who still hasn't said a word and is played by Dennis O'Hare and kind of always is lurking in the background, uh, watches, nods, and then helps her hide the body. So, thoughts on young Fiona? I mean, yeah,
1: she's just like hot and blonde and mean. <laughs> <laughs> Not to draw a stereotype. <laughs> I liked The Supreme, though, Annalee mm. Layton, in her, I guess it was meant to be the 70s, late 60s, yeah. 70s? No, it's 71. 71, yes. Because um, of her sort of floral, pastoral, purple, mm-hmm. kind of hideous, but also
0: lovely dress that Emily Layton was wearing. I also love the little cigarette holder, you know, the one that they pull out and all the cigarettes come out like in a little bouquet.
1: Yes, that's so like mid 20th century. And I don't mm-hmm. know why those don't exist anymore. Well, it's because smoking is bad and and That's real vape true. now because <laughs> less people smoke. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't look Can't as do cool with thing. rollies. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with like a hundred vapes just
0: come out. <laughs> it also just doesn't look as 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 cool if you just stuff one of those things with rolled cigarettes.
1: It's, yeah. Mm,
0: doesn't like the energies don't really match
1: okay but imagine it's that and you pull it it's just like loads of pockies come out (laughs) wouldn't that be amazing i'm gonna get one of
0: those fill it with pockies now that i can get on board with and you just really reminded me of that one scene in community where donald glover (laughs) like does this whole movement you know when someone like taps a cigarette on the on the side of their hand and like then pops it in the mouth but it's just one of those chocolate cigarettes oh yeah (laughs) Such a mood. (laughs) I love it. So it's this flashback scene to how Fiona became the Supreme uh, kind of illuminates something that we we sort of already knew anyway, but it makes it really apparent. So when a new Supreme is on the rise, but doesn't know who she is yet, the reigning Supreme starts, her, her health starts to decline. And in the next scene, Fiona is... She's trying to access plastic surgery because she's still obsessed with looking as youthful as possible, but instead she is diagnosed with cancer, uh, which means that she can't get plastic surgery and it kind of spirals her into a whole identity crisis. Yeah. She's having a real bad time this episode. So obviously the way to, to fix it is by trying to Single out someone who she thinks might be the next supreme and uh kill her same as she did in the seventies <laughs> or well yeah
1: i I find her um like her, her motivations in this episode are quite interesting because so she she has interest in Madison because Madison is basically a mini her totally but like not southern (laughs) otherwise they're the same person and at one scene they become literally interchangeable she sort of sees her younger self Mm -hmm. quite literally reflected in madison um and yeah and so at first there is this sort of genuine interest in training her powers And their final confrontation—it seems more like Fiona wants Madison to just kill her and get her, like, get it over with. Because she's like, I don't want to deal with this.
0: (laughs) Really? That's not how I read it at all. Oh. Oh. I love it. I love it when this happens. (laughs) I thought she was just like, I'm done. God, I, I stab mean. me in the face Madison and I'm over it <laughs> I totally read it as pure manipulation from Fiona's part like that was all of her sort of taking on Madison as a protégé their night out all of it was kind of leading up to her putting on this like fake, oh my God, I'm done with this. Kill me now. And then actually using the distraction to actually kill Madison on purpose because her face really changes because she has that kind of moment of shock and then instantly reverts back to a smirk. And she sort of looks at at Spaulding again, like clean it up again. I've done a mess again. You know what I mean?
1: That makes sense. It's quite hard to accidentally stab somebody in the throat. (laughs) 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 You made a good point.
0: I mean, if anybody could do it, it would probably be Jessica Lange.
1: <laughs> Maybe I'm very gullible. I huh? I sort of read, I guess throughout this whole episode, she had such a defeatist attitude towards mm. everything. I was like, yeah, might as well just be like, yeah. yeah. Stab me in the face, i Emma Roberts. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> and Get me out of here.
0: Is it in this episode where she has that scene where she talks about seduction and sex and she talks about the dance and how she's always been great at performing the dance and then this is the moment in her life when she's no longer the desirable one in a bar
1: yes yeah, yeah. she's at a jazz bar and you know it's jazz because the camera sideways <laughs> <'Cause> it's funky <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was such a cheesy, it. like, directorial yes. decision to be like, we're in a jazz club, so the camera's going to be all over the place. Yeah, jazz.
0: I love it. You're so right. Yeah. But <laughs> I do I do love that, that voiceover and that monologue by Fiona, where she talks about, you know, I make the first move, which is no move at all, and she talks about like how she seduces men and her whole approach to you know to partners and how they're just like these roving faces, and then the disappointment like the really crushing disappointment, I think for her is to not be desired or like not be the alpha in any in, in any room that she's in,
1: yeah. But I think I read that as just being as being quite, as sort of having to. Like she's just sort of taken a a final attitude, like a defeatist. Yeah. Like well, that's it.
0: Yeah. No. I, if people aren't finding Fiona hot. <laughs> I mean, com- people sometimes people are blind and stupid. Yes. <laughs> but um, talking of hot people. Um, someone new, a new hot boy moves in next door to the, to the coven house. I'm going to call him hot boy Luke because his only character trait is that he's hot.
1: Well, yay. Like within three seconds of us seeing him, he's taking his shirt off. <laughs>
0: That's what he's there for. Because <laughs> it's just too
1: hot. Yes. Both, he is both too hot himself and it is too
0: hot outside. So the shirt can no longer be there. Sorry, guys. But he does move in with his mum, who's played by Patty LuPone, because why not? Why not? <laughs> it was inevitable.
1: <laughs> it's Patty LuPone is um, like Thanos, and was it Infinity
0: <laughs> Game where he's like, I am inevitable. <laughs> I love her playing a kind of hyper-strict, kind of Carrie's mum- type of mother who just and I kind of I must admit I kind of like the inversion of the genders here like she's got the hot hot boy son who all the girls are staring at really really unabashedly and she's like cover yourself up like go away go inside you must not be seen by those filthy thirsty girls (laughs) and yeah it's a great piece of casting because
1: uh, Patty Lupone it can be terrifying when she wants to be.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> like she's so women.
1: powerful. Yeah, that's the thing. She's so powerful that mm. you just, you just, scared. You just, just want to be on the wrong
0: side of Patty Lupone. <laughs> nope. No, you do not. So, oh my God, there's, there's tons of stuff happening in this episode as well. So we shall we move on to the, the Kyle storyline. Yeah, I guess we only need to say about hot boy Luke is that
1: he really likes Nan and thought that she baked a great cake. It looks like a great cake. And Madison is jealous. Because mm-hmm. she is a mean girl.
0: <laughs> yes, and she cannot tolerate the attention not being on her for yeah, let even a Nan second. be happy. She baked a cake. Yeah, she put in the work. Yeah, Madison just like put on a dress and like assumed that he'd fallen and like fallen his ass for her lazy absolutely lazy so moving on to kyle frank and kyle we he's taken away from misty which makes me really sad because misty just wants a friend and she's done all the work she's healed him he looks fine the scars are barely visible and She's like talking to him about why Stevie Nicks is so great, and then he gets taken away. And it's like you know, being given a puppy, and then the puppy gets taken away, and you're like,
1: why? Okay, but imagine if you died, and then you woke up again, and a woman was right in your face singing Fleawood Mac. Do
0: you know what? This might be controversial. I'd be okay with that.
1: After a while, I feel like at first, (laughs)
0: I would be a bit like, this is a lot to take in. If that woman is Lily Rabb, singing Fleetwood Mac in my face when I woke up in the afterlife, I'd be like, well, this is kind of exactly what I imagined it being like.
1: Yeah, true.
0: I guess it would just be like, I'm still dead. Great. (laughs) It's like, well, at least there's good music in hell, which is definitely where I'm going.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's where we're, after this podcast is where we're both going don't worry about it
0: oh I have no doubt in my mind but I did find it really entertaining that you were like yeah you are correct that's where you're headed well, I, just,
1: I feel like we've talked about this before that we are both going to hell for this yeah. podcast
0: yeah 100% If <laughs>
1: we turn up Satan's just gonna like whip out a copy of Spotify be like Mm-mm.
0: <laughs> so okay so this is a uh, I'm glad we we laughed our way into this this part of the episode, (laughs) because it's gonna get real bad really quickly. So, Zoe, with all her best intentions, takes Frank and Kyle back to his mother, who was distraught at his passing, obviously. Uh, Turns out, uh, yeah, okay, I'm just gonna read out my notes about this episode, it's just all caps, there's... Very very bad relationship between Kyle and his mom. Very bad. It's gross. It's gross. Uh, it's very it's very icky. It's it's yeah. Basically, it's an abusive incestuous relationship, and it is not. Yeah, gross.
1: I will say two um things that I liked about this storyline. Mm. A having Mare, uh Whittingham playing Kyle's mother who. True. is uh, an incredible actor, and I think was able to pull off the nuances of that role Um, you know I think she like sort of I don't know she delivers the kind of abuser performance that you Mm. would see in like an Oscar movie yes Um, because there's all the levels the desperation the viciousness and it's all sort of wrapped in and I don't know like 10 minutes screen time Mm. the second thing I liked is I guess having representing um a mother sexually abusing a son which is not commonly shown in pop culture or culture at all Mm -hmm. and i think to represent it in a way where it's just framed as abuse, mm-hmm. it's not sort of like a woman abusing a, you know, mm-hmm. they they don't like act like that's some crazy impossible thing because this kind of stuff does happen and I think pretending that it doesn't is not helpful for anyone. So those two things I actually did like about that storyline. Um, whether sh- it's the right time to put it in the middle of this season, I'm not so sure.
0: Uh, I actually completely agree on both of your takes. I've, you've just put it really beautifully, and I I couldn't agree more. It doesn't make it any less icky to watch as it as any incestuous abuse storyline in any piece of media. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's doing something. It's going for something quite bold and very very uh, not very often seen in screen media. And I think because of the weight and the talent of Mare. Winningham here, it it pulls it off. And, you know, we we both know that AHS doesn't always pull off its more difficult storylines. Yeah, give
1: us a second. We'll show you what the opposite looks like.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Shall we move on into that bit and then we can end with something nice? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because like...
1: Oh, God.
0: Yeah, I... Okay, so... Let me do my best here. So because Fiona... Lollary is a vicious racist and she uh, attacks Queenie consistently and kind of will not respect her. So Fiona makes her, quote unquote, her personal slave. And they're in the kitchen and Mary Laveau has set the Minotaur. Bastien on them and mm, uh, Lollary basically makes continues with this made up story about her history with Bastien which we know is not true but Queenie believes her and for I just I, does not make sense basically goes up yeah basically like offers herself to the Minotaur as some sort of sacrificial offer it's kind I of, it's kind of shocked like yeah,
1: that. I don't know if Queenie necessarily believes mm. Mallory. Uh, because she does say to Bastien, I I understood that you you just wanted love. Um, which I think indicates that she knows that it was a consensual relationship. That, you know, he wanted love Knowing that because of the races, the times that he was living in, that he would be punished for their relationship. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. That's
1: how I read it. Doesn't make it any better no. at all. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But
0: It's also... Yeah, this scene, like, I... Mm, this, this scene doesn't... It makes me really... made me really uncomfortable especially because of the 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 relationship between the sort of relationship between Queenie and Laurie is already kind of one of the most difficult ones to deal with the way that it's being kind of developed in the show so far but like this scene in particular and and because we've been told before in this episode that Queenie is a virgin I don't even know how to describe it because it's not framed as a sex scene, even though Queenie goes out to confront him and I don't know it does- it doesn't really make sense to me at all, even though kind of your read on it does read right, yeah, I... there's something about the the all the all the stuff that we know about Loerie and the stuff that we know about Queenie and the way that the scene is shot and the information that we have about Bastian it's and all the obviously like the the political and racial connotations of all of those all those intersections just don't sit right and don't quite make narrative sense either like i don't i don't i don't get why this needed to be here i genuinely don't i feel like what
1: they were trying to do is is do like a of historical both like the flipping of the relationship between Lori and Queenie where Queenie suddenly you know she has the the power in that position and mm. what would that look like like because she says that she wants love and also Bastien wants love and the world has deemed them monstrous for different reasons and that they're trying to create some parallel there but yeah it it just doesn't... Yeah, none of it makes sense. And, and no one's actions in that moment actually track or or seem to stem from any kind of reality. Mm. It, to me, seems like the writers had some sort of, like, what they thought was a clever idea in their brain. Mm-hmm. And were like, aha, yes, if we do this, people will think that we are being so, you know... So... um." you know, probing about your know, race and modernity and mm. history and how those link and people and like the result is just some completely baffling, uh, yeah, quite offensive scene. <laughs> yeah. That's the read that I got on it.
0: Not, not their finest moment. It's it's really not. No, and it's it's interesting that out of the two like extremely hard to watch and difficult scenes, both of which kind of deal with sexual abuse, in one episode they can get one of them so right and one of them so just absolutely absolutely wrong.
1: Well, and it's what we pointed out before. I think the big problem with this season is that the mistakes they're making are always with the black characters mm. Mm. and it yeah. seems like they are managing to to have the white characters, their more sensitive storylines are dealt with yeah, I don't know everyone wants to say more carefully but just more it doesn't <laughs> seem like such a monumental fuck up when they do it yeah
0: shall we end the recap on a lighter note, well Light is not the right thing, but it's the Cordelia going to Mary Laveau for help to deal with her with her problems with conceiving.
1: Yes, and she—I <laughs> love this so much. <laughs> She's sitting on her voodoo throne, playing solitaire on an iPad, and it's... oh yes, <laughs> and the. The armrests are little alligators. And it's just my favorite thing ever. It's the coolest. It's just really cool.
0: It really, really is. <laughs> I
1: don't know why, like playing solitaire on an iPad on a, a throne is. Like, well, because it's, it's a...
0: nonchalant, but also like ancient power at the same it's time. Like, it's such an utter display of I don't give a fuck energy. It's like this woman who is like the daughter of her witch enemy coming here asking her for her for help, which is such a big, you know. A. Not a power move for no, that's not the right word. Which is such a big like surrender of power in many ways. It's like Mary Laveau, you know more magic, or like you have magic that we do not possess. So we, I need your help. And it also means that she's gonna have like someone in the coven who's gonna owe her massive favor. So Mary Laveau just like sort of playing solitaire while Cordelia tells her this like really personal and really uncomfortable reality and asks her for help and then tells her to fuck off that she's not going to help her it's just such a such a power move and also she looks so cool doing it you're not wrong I feel like
1: iPads are such a power move I don't know why it's just weird feelings <laughs> about iPads why? because you know, if you have an iPad you're kind of a successful person right? <laughs> like an iPhone okay like lots of people have iPhones but you rock an iPad <laughs> You whip that out because the implication is that you already have an iPhone and you're like, no, no, no. I would also like just an iPhone that's slightly bigger as well, so I can watch my movies (laughs) while I'm cooking. (laughs) uh, I don't know.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think I really want like a tablet. Maybe that's the thing I'm realizing now. So I'll finally feel like an adult. (laughs) Yeah. Or any other brand. Well, I think it's more the tablet, just the idea of the tablet. It's like, I got a phone, but bigger. (laughs) And it's also not quite a laptop, because I also have a laptop. I have a third thing that doesn't really do
0: anything, (laughs) but I have it. (laughs) It's just for the convenience of reading tweets or watching YouTube videos on a slightly bigger screen than my phone. Yeah,
1: or really flaunting. It's when people have it in the airplane. (laughs) You're like, but there's a little
0: iPad in the seat right in front of you. You brought your own? Well, for me, it's always been a power move. Whenever I've seen people use iPads instead of notebooks on on stage, on live Q&As and, uh, and interviews yes. and things like that. And I was like, ooh, power move. You Brave typed account. your questions up. My like, God. Well, I used to, like when we used to do live events, I used to do the the opposite end of the spectrum. I'd type them up and then I'd print them out and I'd like paste them into my notebook. That's cool. <laughs> that is the opposite of cool, Clarice. I hastily scribble them out (laughs) I type
1: them on the laptop and then they scribble them out because I feel I have this weird idea that if they're handwritten when I Mm -hmm. say the question it'll feel more authentic because it's like I'm reading out of my diary (laughs) you know you're like dear diary
0: what made you decide to work on this film (laughs) yeah I have I've always had big admiration for people who had the um the iPad on stage with them although that said, one of the things I love the most about doing the live interviews is that you can actually scribble things on the side as you're doing the interview. True. Which you cannot you can't really do with an iPad unless you've got one of those eye pencils. Oh yeah, you don't want to be typing in the middle of the <laughs> No. Oh my god, I get so distracted. That would not be yeah. okay. So that was a massive digression. Sorry. But- <laughs> I just the iPad was a big thing for me. Let's move on to our categories for this episode. What was your top quote? Um, so my...
1: My top quote was just, I don't know if it's a piece of Bible verse, but when Patti Lapone is looking at her topless son and goes, Hell is naked before him and destruction hath no covering. <laughs> Which I don't, if that is a Bible verse, it's funny that like... The Bible's like, that sounds don't, like don't be topless. That sounds like biblical dirty talk to me. <laughs> destruction hath no covering. <laughs> I'm gonna put that on my hinge profile. <laughs> <laughs> the next time, like some celebrity posts a topless photo, you're like, destruction
0: hath no covering, Jason momoa <laughs> No, <laughs> no. He must never wear shir- shirts. Never. Never. <laughs> Evil things will happen if Jason Momoa wears a shirt. <laughs> He's the one no. exception.
1: Yeah, Jason Momoa just does. Oh, Jason Momoa. That's No, we're not going to digress with that. No. He's just living his life and it's great. and I It's fantastic.
0: It. <laughs> he seems like a very nice guy and I appreciate it. And he loves his wife very much which we love to see and he loves teaching their kids like how to throw axes at things I'm just I'm here for this content. He's immensely polite. Is he? Yeah. So my top quote is actually from the pre-credit scene when Annalie is confronted by Fiona and she realizes what she's doing and she just goes you vicious little gash at her. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I just thought that was such a
1: great line. Cause that just means like, vagi- you vicious little vagina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use that. I'm yeah. using that. Oh,
0: I can't wait. You little to-
1: vagina.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to hate someone enough to like use that use that sentence at them. <laughs> so, moving on to best song. Do we uh, have a song in this episode? Yeah, it's the one that Missy
1: Day. She's singing "Sarah" by Fleetwood Mac when Kyle
0: is awakening. Oh, so it's just the one, isn't it?
1: I think so. I didn't. I mean, I think there are other sort of vague background songs, but that's the only one that I recognized.
0: Yeah, <laughs> my I, limited
1: music knowledge.
0: I think outside of the the generic jazzy music from the bar is just Fleetwood Mac. So, moving on to best fit. What's your favorite outfit of the episode? This is quite a simple one, mm-hmm. but
1: when Fiona and Madison are having breakfast, outdoor breakfast on the patio. Yes. Uh, she's just wearing this very nice black dress with a like a split sleeve so it sort of looks like a cape. Yes. and I, I really enjoy that construction. Yes, That's I love it. a cake. It's not interesting, but I just liked
0: it. <laughs> How about you? I mean, mine has to be Marie Laveau on the throne. Because she's yes. wearing, like, leather and these big earrings and red and black. And, like, the way that she's seated on the throne as well with, like, one of her legs over the side and playing with the iPad. It's just all of that outfit. Is such a, and and how she's wearing it and how she's sort of so dressed up but so chill on her throne it's just all of it is such a like emanating power yeah i
1: think that's why i didn't pick it because i was like i could never pull that off <laughs> <laughs> the dress that fiona wears i'm like yeah i could pick that up from i don't know whatever retailer
0: Zara, it looks very Zara.
1: Zara, it looks very
0: Zara. So that seems like a realistic fit for me. <laughs> what about the best witch pun of the episode?
1: There are a lot. I know we've had a bit of a dry patch with mm-hmm. the witch puns. But I'm kind of struggling to pick because there are so many. What are your um, <laughs> What are your top two? I liked um, after the Vicious Little Vagina joke, <laughs> sorry just like Vicious Little Vagina. <laughs> um, when the Anna Lee Layton says, I'll see you burn in hell first and then Fiona goes, fine, save me a spot. <laughs> and like, kills her. <laughs> I liked that and also... Um, the yeah the doctor, the fertility specialist mm-hmm. that Cordelia sees says wish I had a magic wand I could wave and Cordelia's like, that's right, you don't because I'm a witch. I'm the one who has the magic <laughs> wand and it didn't work so it's actually like very upsetting that you brought that up.
0: <laughs> What's yours? um well, mine is not uh- it's not as funny as that one. But it's a Fiona quip as well. Because after she after she murders Madison, she's like, this coven doesn't need a new Supreme. It needs a new rug. Wow. Well, because there's blood so on awful. the rug now. She's so Blood's awful, really I hard to it. wash off. It really is. It's a lot of work for Spaulding. It's not very yeah. considerate of her. And what about your MVP of the episode? Uh, queen
1: iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Who in the episode had an iPad? Yeah,
0: they win. <laughs> I really want to agree with you, but actually the one that I have on, on my notes is Fiona eating fried chicken in front of Lola Marie. I don't know oh, why I thought yeah. that was such a power move. If
1: she also
0: had an iPad, <laughs> I would be with you in that moment. There's just like there's something really aggressive about eating fried chicken. Especially like <laughs> it's like it's the tearing apart of the flesh with your teeth like oh my god if oh, if anybody so. eats fried chicken with a, with a fork and knife like psychopath.
1: Oh, it's like in um Return of the King with Denethor's eating the chicken. <laughs> And it's just like the biggest power move and it's repulsive and then he puts mm-hmm. that tomato in his mouth and it's like Ugh. Yes. <laughs> it's
0: the most repulsed I've ever been by anything. <laughs> but this is like the gorgeous Jessica Lang in beautiful like, yeah. gorgeously tailored clothing eating fried chicken like very close to Lola Reece's face.
1: Yeah, it's like the Denethor scene but make it fashion.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> As Pyra Banks would
0: say. And to wrap up did you pick up on any insensitive historical references this week? Not really.
1: Um, do we want to talk about like the actual Minotaur? Because <laughs> one of the many yeah. reasons, I mean, this is bottom of the list of reasons why that storyline doesn't work, is that the Minotaur has, like, he's his own deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I actually really love the story of the Minotaur because... Uh, I don't know, Greek mythology always just reads like some weird like gossip page. <laughs> like You'll never believe what the king of Crete did. So what happened with the Minotaur is that Minos was competing with his brothers for the throne of Crete, and he decided to pray to Poseidon and say, Hey, if you're on my team, if you want me to be king of Crete, send me a Snow White Bull. Just as a sign that a sign that you dig me. And Poseidon was like, alright, but you better sacrifice that bull to show that, you know. That's <laughs> all so I asked in return, he's better sacrifice that bull. But then Minos was looked at the bull, and was like, this bull, love it, beautiful bull, not gonna kill it. Just gonna keep it around. <laughs> Poseidon, super pissed off decided to curse <laughs> the family and and punish them by making his wife, Queen Pasiphae, fall in love with said bull, uh, and then Pasiphae was very horny for the bull. She went to Daedalus, <laughs> who we think is the maker of Icarus's shoes. Um, she was like, Daedalus, can you make me like a little sexy cow suit? <laughs> 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 and so he does. And she just is like, come on, bull. <laughs> What's up? And uh, that's how the Minotaur was born. And the Minotaur kept eating people, so they were like, oh fuck, better build a labyrinth to put it in. Because <laughs> that's the logical thing. Build a big old maze. <laughs> that's where you put bull headed monster dudes. <laughs> So that's the myth of the Minotaur. See, if uh, this is the thing, if American Horror Story had made that, (laughs) it would have been awesome. Do you imagine Lily Rabe as Queen (laughs) Pacifé being like, hey, make me a cow suit? (laughs) Ah, Ancient history is fun. I love the words.
0: I wasn't physically attached to my microphone and recorder via a ton of cables. I would have one hundred percent fallen off my seat, right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the
1: thing, everybody, check out Greece with myth- like Greek mythology is hysterical. <laughs>
0: If you tell it like that, yes it is, no, I'm with you, I love Greek myths. It's always like, hey, Zeus really wanted to bang this chick so he like turned into a swan. I mean, that's how all the Greek myths start. Zeus really wanted to bang someone so he did something really weird like turn, turn into an animal. Into, yeah, or turn, turn them into, into a an tree. animal. <laughs> <laughs> <It sucks.
1: laughs> Why don't you just say, hey, I'm Zeus, the king of all gods, do you want to bang me? And the woman's probably going to say yes. You don't have to go around
0: it in such an elaborate way. (sighs) Makes a better story. And that's why I've always been woefully disappointed by all the screen adaptations of the Greek myths because they're never as weird as the actual myths are. Yeah,
1: you need like horny, (laughs) horny, (laughs) horny gods. Every god was just incredibly horny. And that was, they didn't even do good things for like the people of Greece. Ryan
0: Murphy Greek myths adaptation when? Greek horror story. (gasps) now we're talking yes (laughs) so what can we expect from the next episode in the next episode Fiona
1: jeopardizes the decades long truce between the Salem witches and Marie Laveau she could come with her iPad smack around the head (laughs) We'll be back on Wednesday with a recap of American Horror Story Coven. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. We've got our own channels now for the podcast. Follow us on at Pod. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Clarice Liu. And I am at (laughs) AnnaBDemented. I'm trying to remember the one about the founding of Athens because it's like somebody jizzed on Athena's leg and she's like, (laughs) and she swiped it off. She like swiped it off, and then I think that's like
0: Athens happened. <laughs> what was Okay, this is now on the record, but there is one hundred percent we're starting a a separate podcast where it's just you retelling Greek myths and me absolutely losing my shit. <laughs> Stay tuned. <That's> so funny. <laughs>